way he did it was not fair because he was teaching on, you know, worship and all the different aspects of worship and how worship is also serving and teaching. And then he walks up and says, will you teach Sunday? So I had to say yes. So I hope that this will bless y'all this morning. Um, let me just start out with prayer. Y'all can just get y'all coffee and find y'all seat and settle in. And Dear Heavenly Father, we give thanks and honor to you this morning. We invite your presence near to us as we open your word. Lord, let us hear and receive and respond with our actions to your truths. Open our ears, open our minds, and our hearts to receive. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't get with the media booth on my scripture, but it's going to be 2 Kings 11, verse 1 through 3. And that's 2 Kings 11, verse 1 through 3, but I don't really need it right now. So what I'm going to attempt to present this morning is going to be a very short little study and three aspects that kind of hit me on a little boy who became a king at the age of seven years old. And I have I've presented this years and years ago in kind of a different way, probably about eight years ago. But with everything going on right now, it just it's like the Lord spoke to me and said this. This is where we're at, and this is what we need to hear. So it's found in 2 Kings, and the little boy's name was Joash. Um, Sunday's message was so impactful to me, the entire message from start to finish. When pastor asked the children 16 and under to stand up, my goodness, what, what a visual. I'm a very, very visual person. So when he told them to go and find your mom, your dad, your grandparent, whoever, and bring them to the altar to pray for God's hedge to stay over their little life, that just did me in. That was so powerful. And as I looked around at those children, I realized that every single one of them are targets. They are marked targets and there's nothing that we can do to remove that fact but there's something that we better do because of that fact we'll be reading from second kings 11 verses 1 through 3 and when athaliah the mother of ahazar saw that her son was dead she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. But Jehoboah, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahazar, took Joash, the son of Ahazar, and stole him from among the king's sons, which were slain, and they hid him, even him and his nursemaid, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. And he was hid with her in the house of the Lord six years. And Athaliah did reign over the land. So, basically, she got news that her son, the king, had died. So she began to kill off all the other royal seed. She didn't just kill anyone. 
No, she, this wicked lady, she killed the ones, they were targeted because of who they were. They were royal seed, next in line to become king, and she didn't want that. So she targeted them, and she killed them. And guess what, moms and dads and grandparents? Our kids have royal blood flowing through their veins. They are children of the king, and that is what makes them a target, a target that can't be removed, a target that will follow them into adulthood, to middle school, to high school, to college. It's a target. So the hedge to be prayed over them, oh my goodness, that is so important. It goes on to say that there was a child named Joash that was hidden from Athaliah. It says, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah so that he was not slain. He was taken into the bedroom of a home and hidden. Now, this tells me that we as parents and grandparents must provide for them a hiding place. They have a target that cannot be removed, and that makes life so difficult. They are constantly dodging bullets that we sometimes know nothing about because these are children of the king, a royal bloodline. And the devil has a target around their neck. Oh, I can hear him now. That one that sits right over here. Man, he has too much of God's word hidden his heart. You mark him. We need him gone. I can hear him saying, they're up here in the praise team. You know, they're finding their giftings. They're praising the Lord. Uh-uh. We got to shut this down. Mark them. That one back there, he's not really a threat. His parents are just having Hades in their home. They'll be divorced soon, so he's not a threat. Don't worry about him. But focus on this one, because this one has great potential. You mark him and you take him out now. There's a spiritual world, y'all, and it's real. And that's the way it works. Because these are children of the king, a royal bloodline, and the devil has a target around their neck. I tell you, he's not going to give up. The targets, y'all, they're targets, and we have a responsibility to them. These are God's kids. They're not our kids. The Bible doesn't say that they're our heritage. The Bible says that they're a heritage of the Lord's, and he has entrusted them to us for a short time. Now, you want to know how short of a time we get with them if we're blessed? From the time they're born, I just had a little grandson, Judah. He's not even a year old. From the time they're born until their 18th birthday, we get only 940 Saturdays. Now, do you really want your mind to be blown? 260 of those Saturdays are gone by the time they turn five years old. 260 are already gone. Think about that. We don't have much time. 
We have a job that can't wait until tomorrow. It can't wait until you're not tired. We have a duty to guide them and protect them and plant godly living inside of them and model it in front of them. You see, this lady in 2 Kings, she was an evil, evil lady. She was a type of Satan. And when her son died, look at what she did. She began to hunt out and kill all the seed royal. Those were her own children, her own grandchildren. She killed them. What kind of lady must this have been to brutally kill her grandchildren, to do such evil only because her position was threatened? She definitely wouldn't be the kind of person that I could invite over to my house for pumpkin bread and coffee and say, now, Athaliah, what in the world are you thinking? No. You have to understand that you can't negotiate with people like that. There are some people you can't negotiate with because they're so evil. We have to understand that we cannot take off the target because it's in their blood. They're always going to be a target. But what we can do and what we must do, just like Brother Murphy preached Wednesday night, we can take out our sword and we can fight and we can fight and we can never stop fighting. We can't stop fighting because we're dealing with a ruthless enemy and he has his sights set on your child, on my child, on your family, on my family. You cannot make a peace treaty with the devil. You can't. You can't even call a time out because he's not stopping. He's building a kingdom too. So if you're going to do your job as a church family and as a parent or a grandparent, don't you see it's our kids' potential that makes them the target? You see, Athaliah went after the royal seed. They were the ones that were the threat. It was the children that had potential to do great harm to her position, her kingdom. And the very reason the devil targets our children, our family, is because, my goodness, look at these kids up here. I mean, he knows they have the potential to tear his kingdom apart. He sees and he knows things that we might not even see in them. That's the first thing that this story tells me. Because of who they are, that's what makes them the target. Now, the second thing that this story tells me is we must provide for them a hiding place. Look where she took him first. She took him in the home, the bedchamber in the home. It, said, it starts in the home, and it's so hard as a church if the parents are not hiding them at home. And how do we do that? You have to be that example. I was reading an article years ago about Africa. And many different breeds of wild animals, all the many different breeds of wild animals that live there. It was basically about survival is what it was about. And how the young survived. The deer, the mountain lion, the gazelle. It talked about how the coloring of their fur was so important 
for the survival of the animals. It's kind of odd, but it's true. The gazelle and mountain lion, they were light brown, and they were a tannish color, but if you would notice that behind the ears and underneath the tail end, it was darker. And some of them even had these little distinctive markings, sort of like on their backside. It's a genetic trait that was built into their DNA by God for survival. It's amazing, really, if you think about it. You see, if the older mountain lion didn't have the rear markings of distinction, if the adults blended in with the world around it, if they blended in and were just like the environment around it, their cubs that were following them, they wouldn't see the danger. They will not see the threat. They will not know where it was safe to walk. Because what the kid sees, what the cub sees, is that distinction between its parents and the world. And when it sees those little darker brown spots on the rear of its dad or its mom, it stands out from the rest. In that kid's mind, in that fawn's mind, in that cub's mind, it knows when the daddy mountain lion stops at the edge of the mountain or when that mommy st deer stops at the edge of the forest, then I stop. It follows and it watches those marks of distinction. That's how it knows how to walk in safety. That's how it survives out there. And if we as parents are just like the world, if our lives are just like the world, y'all, if our homes are just like the world, if we look and sound just like the world, our kids are not going to know where it's safe to walk. And they're going to lose us. And you know what? They just may never be able to find their way back. But if we become so visible, Sister Murphy, by putting on the markings that were so beautifully crafted and given to us also by God, the markings of distinction and purity of holiness. Brother Murphy just talked about Wednesday night. It's not easy to hear sometimes, but it's God's word. They will see us. And oh my goodness, how they need to see us in this world. Because y'all, it's hard. We need to become so visible that they are, because they are watching you and they will follow you. It's just what kids do. They will follow you, so lead well. Lead well because this is a very hard time to be growing up in. Be visible on Sunday and be visible on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Every single day, hide them in the home. All these kids that are sitting up here, all of them, they have less than 400 Saturdays left. Just about. Do the math. Less than 400 Saturdays left before they're 18. And trust me, I've raised four. When they get 18, they, they're smart. 
they're real smart <laughs> and they'll let you know it quick so <laughs> do it while you can but I'm gonna get off my notes just for a minute and this could go really bad y'all but I just feel like I need to get off my notes right here and tell y'all they will follow you because they're children and I, I think about somebody shared this thought with me one day at prayer and I have held on to it and used it when Lot took his family into Sodom you know Lot may have been strong enough to handle that sinful city because it was so sinful and he took them there and they followed him because that's what kids do that's what your family does they follow you and the angels were sent into that city because it was so evil to bring them out and Lot and got his wife and his kids and they were escorted out by angels but it also tells you that they had other kids all their kids didn't make it out it says that his daughters married other men there in that sinful city and they were left behind so when they were being escorted out by those angels and you know the story Lot's wife turned around and looked back and a lot of teachers and preachers that know much more than me you know they they say that you know she longed for her life there but I'm a mother and if I was being escorted out by those angels and I knew that my kids was still in that place you know what I'm gonna be looking back for not for my flowers or my teapots or my house I'm gonna be looking back to see if my other children may be running from the flames coming out of that city they weren't strong enough to go there they couldn't handle that because kids follow you and that's just what they do so that went well I'm back on my notes <laughs> the third thing <laughs> the third thing that this story tells me in verse 3 it says and he was with her hid in the house of the Lord six years and Athaliah did reign over the land after hiding him in the home they hid him in the church we you think all these men that sit up here are leaders and all those Sunday school teachers up there are leaders well guess what they are but you are leaders too because we as a church have a job all these kids they're watching you they're watching you here when they run into you at Walmart they're watching you they're watching you so we have to be leaders and Athaliah did reign over the land after hiding him in home they hid him in the church we as a church have a huge responsibility these kids are watching us each child that fills these rows they are watching us you may not hear them but they're saying please keep me safe please teach me please be a leader with holy and distinctive markings so I can see you and follow you please keep me safe and lead me please be a visible church because these days are not getting any better I need to survive and I don't want to get lost that's what they're saying we must be a praying church because our kids 
our targets right now. We must be a fasting church because our children are targets right now. We must be a visible church. We cannot afford to quench the spirit when it moves on us. We can't afford not to be a pure church because our children, his children, are targets right now. We can't afford to be a lukewarm church, y'all. It's all or nothing. It really is. If you dig into it, it's all or nothing. Our children are targets right now. We can't afford to blend in. We can't afford not to be a holy church. They need to be able to see us. It's our job and privilege. It is a privilege right now. Because we only get a little time, just a little time, to teach them, to lead them by example, because we can't remove the target. We can't. It's not a game. It's real life. We're at the end, and we need to declare that these are God's kids, and he has entrusted them to us for our safekeeping. And one of our jobs is to get them back home to him. He's given us our markings of distinction. And we need to put them on or put them back on. So our kids won't be confused because this world is confusing enough. There is so much more that I could say. But, you know, we... We just need to be that safe place. We need to stand up and not just confess with our lips, but feel it in our heart deep when we, and mean it when we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm going to finish with this. I know I can't remove the target, but as a church, as a parent, as a grandparent, I will be what they need. I'll be their hiding place. I'll lead with example. And I'll become visible because our kids are targets right now. And I'm leaving a little extra time, so y'all can just think about that. And um, thank you so much. You are dismissed.